Thank you for joining us at MindSpeak, the show that delves into global issues with a local perspective. This is a voice, not an echo. If you can't speak your mind, you can't be human. Hi, folks, and welcome back to MindSpeak. I'm your host, uh, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is going to be episode 216, Worrying About Taiwan. Now, we're going to talk about this further into the show, but uh, there's so many recent developments, particularly what happened in Afghanistan. Um, If you do recall, and I'm sure a lot of you do because I got a lot of email about it, um, we did the Afghanistan show as the first one to launch uh, MindSpeak, sort of a, a sub-program inside of the Strength of Human, Strength to Be Human Productions. And, um, well, it went even bad, more badly than I ever could have expected it. I really didn't expect even this president to drop the ball this badly, uh, nor did I expect the, uh, the Taliban to move that fast. I honestly thought it would be done by October and there would be enough time to evacuate everybody. But... This is what happens when you, you put together a, a plan uh, poorly. Uh, and then we'll talk about this because, unfortunately, even though uh, Taiwan might be quite a long way from Afghanistan, it has ramifications for Taiwan. So we will talk about that. Now, to give people a good overview, and it's best to do that, especially when you're talking about a country, and really when you're talking about Taiwan, is to kind of give you an idea where, where they're coming from in this situation. So, because a lot of people don't realize this, okay? So, and people who follow uh, militarily and politically these sort of things, they know. But the average person, they're not really that aware of that. All right? So, basically, in 1949, uh, a general by the name of Kai Shek, he, he led a, a, a force of a Chinese inside mainland China in the Civil War, which he lost. And when he lost, he wound up going over to the island, uh, which we now call Taiwan, and, and create the Republic of China. And it's been a separate entity ever since. And China has not been happy about that because they believe it should be part of of their, um, I guess you could say their empire, the way it's growing right now. And you already see what happened with, with Hong Kong, what they've done. You know, they broke their word, of course, uh, with, the, with the British. They went over there a lot sooner. They wrecked everything, put everybody who says anything about freedom and democracy in jail and uh, that'll be the, the to pretty much the the premises for everything else they do that's who they are they're communists they hate freedom and they hate anybody else that thinks something different than they do so taiwan is, is definitely in danger here okay now taiwan it's a relatively small island only about thirty-five thousand square miles okay it is uh very dense it only has about 26 million people but that's a lot of people to be put on a small island all right. Very urban, very, very developed country. They were able to be very successful with their with their trade, uh, with their manufacture. They're really known for a lot of electronics and and steel. Um, I've been there. It's, it's not only an incredibly fascinating place. People are just so wonderful. Um, and uh, English is spoken a lot there as well. So it made it a little easier for me. Thank God, because uh uh, Chinese really is one of the most difficult languages to speak in the world. I don't care what anybody says. It's it's not easy. and But they, they made it easy by, by being such wonderful people. Now, what has happened was this. 
the island becomes a pretty much a military dictatorship based on Kaishak's uh, uh, rule. Okay, it's not communist, but it was definitely a military dictatorship. Then, what happened is that faded away, and by around like 1979 or so. It started becoming a, a, a more of a democracy with an actual president and a constitution and all of that. Then from there, things became more dicey because for the longest time, um, the Kaishak forces on that island and mainland China have been in conflict to the point where literally the, the China was shelling the islands around Taiwan and even Taiwan whenever it was possible. They had They had one... They had one time where it was a stretch of 44 days. In 1958, China shot 470,000 shells into the islands, killing almost 1,000 people. Just for a 44-day stretch. That's how upset they are. Even into the 1970s, they were still shelling them. But once they became democracy, they came up, they came up with this uh, very loose agreement. And we'll talk about that further because the word loose agreement is... It's, it's probably a misnomer on how ridiculous this is. But pretty much they said that uh, we're, one, we're one China. We won't really describe what that's supposed to mean. But we'll still be two entities. At that point, they couldn't represent China anymore in the United Nations. So China has been represented since 1971. And in the Republic of China or Taiwan, it doesn't even exist in, in the United Nations in that fashion. So they don't have that kind of representation. In fact, Taiwan is only... It only has embassies officially out of 14 out of 189 countries. So it's not really wide out. Most people who have relations with China, with uh, Taiwan because of you know, how wealthy and successful it's become, it's all unofficial. They wind up having some sort of a consulate or some kind of a building or a meeting or, or, or even a company that represents another government's interests because they don't want to upset China. So that's how it's been for like 30 years. Incredibly enough. So it's a weird stalemate. But recently, in the last couple of years, something dramatic has happened. And that is the Chinese, feeling pressure from their own nationalists inside of China, want the president there to do something about Taiwan. They figured um, they're already setting up missiles and, and, and all kinds of military uh, flight flight lines. In the, in the South Pacific Seas, mainly the Spratly Islands, that's already endangering all kinds of uh, naval uh, and, and uh, various uh, trade routes. And, of course, they already took back uh, Hong Kong a lot sooner than they promised they were going to. Um, their, their Road and Belt Initiative, which is pretty much a, a financial slavery uh, program is going all over the place including Africa pretty much they build a couple bridges in a harbor for you and now you owe the money for the, the rest of your country's lives I think in one country literally 25% of all the money the country made was going to China to pay the debt so you can imagine what kind of deal that is but they, they offered that because it's a way for them to get into these countries without even having to fire a shot in some cases they even said hey we'll reduce some of the debt if you let us build a military base there so as we speak right now, China literally has a couple of military bases in Africa. Africans are not very happy. In fact, they accuse them of being racist because oftentimes the job programs they have in these so-called belt and road initiatives, all they do is simply fly in Chinese workers. They don't even hire the local people. 
Don't look very good. You're in Africa, and everybody on the project is Chinese. Yeah, that's great for relations. But they don't really care because they figure they got you now on, on this whole giant loan. Because that's really what it is, a high-interest loan, and now you're stuck. I mean, you're getting something for it, but is it really worth it? Can't you just get a loan uh, you know, from the, the International Monetary Fund? Or maybe ask some other countries to put something together for you that you could pay back? No, they just grabbed this thinking it was going to be an easy, fast deal. And yeah, it is an easy, fast deal for China. And certainly not for Africa. Now, in the last couple of years, what has happened is because of this pressure on the Chinese president, because of all the other things they've been doing, they've pretty much been saying to him in meetings, what are you going to do about China? What are you going to do about the Republic of China? What are you going to do about Taiwan? What's the plan? So they've been trying to psych them out for the last couple of years. And this year has been some of the worst that they've ever seen. Right now, we're not even done with 2021. There's already been 400 incursions by Chinese airplanes. These are all, of course, fighter jets into Taiwan airspace. This, of course, is a breach of not only international law, but, of course, in many instances, it is in itself an act of war. All of last year, there was 380 incursions. And the Chinese know this. They've increased this on purpose to try to psych those people out, to try to make them worried. Their press reports constantly say it's only inevitable when we take back our homeland, the Thailand, and bring it back to where it belongs. But you know, if they were able to successfully take this island, it'll be just like Hong Kong. All they're going to do is enslave people, kill people, steal whatever they could possibly steal, and go about their business. It's not anything going to be great for the Taiwanese at all. In fact, the only thing that will be easy for them is they all speak Chinese. Other than that, these are not the same people at all because the Taiwanese are democratic, freedom-loving people. And they don't play these kind of games where they're killing and, and imprisoning people just because you think different. But this is how Chinese are and, and their horrible communism. Now, there's some deep problems in this situation. As you can probably tell, one of the deepest is that even though Taiwan is a modern society and a wealthy society, and even though it is pretty much armed to the teeth, it's still not close to being prepared that would be necessary for even the smallest of a Chinese invasion. Now, the Chinese have always believed, and there's some truth to their belief, although I would counsel for them not to get too far with it, but it is harder to take an island than it is to defend one. This is all true. But one of the biggest things, we'll talk a little bit uh, in the show here with a little bit more details, is, oh yeah, you can defend an island. Oh yes, you can actually even successfully ward off even China in this gigantic military. But the problem is, is that you have 26 million people. Even my best estimates on even a, a, a week-long invasion, you got 15% of your population either killed or maimed. That's like over 2 million people. It's kind of hard to have a big celebration about that. Yay, we stopped China from taking over our island, but 3 million of our people are dead in a week. So in many instances, uh, Taiwan is similar to, to Israel in the sense that it's a small place with a small, dense population and any kind of sustained attack on it for any period of time would be massive casualties, not to mention all the damage to the infrastructure. So it's one of their major weak points. 
it's sure it could be defended and we'll talk about that in some detail but the damage and the casualties it reminds me in many ways of, of South Korea you know and if you know anything about that and we'll talk about that further in another show about South Korea but just to give you a quick encapsulation here uh, the North Koreans don't even have to threaten South Korea with their nuclear weapons it's not even necessary they have 1500 artillery pieces right on the border just one volley alone would burn the entire city of of Seoul in about six hours. The whole city in flames. Their air force and even our air force couldn't even knock all those artillery pieces in time before most of South Korea would be would be in flames, because they're not even firing conventional artillery shells. They're firing the incendiary ones that actually start fires. They they did all kinds of scenarios, and it's pretty clear. That it could take us weeks, along with South Korea, to knock everything out. Meanwhile, they're continuing the fire and continuing the fire. You can't knock them all out. You can't. You, unfortunately, you can't even have any kind of a seal or, 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 or sneak attacker force to kill the soldiers that are arming those guns because the whole damn thing is mined by us. So we can't even cross our own minefield. They can't cross it with their army to get there. We can't cross it to get to the artillery pieces. And they came up with the perfect solution. We don't have to nuke you. All we have to do is set your entire country on fire while we wave across the, the border. And that, that's pretty much what they would do. So it's very difficult when you're in a small area, a small country like Israel, a small country like South Korea, or a small island like Taiwan, to effectively stop everything that can happen to you. Because the damage to you is going to be pretty enormous. So it's difficult to have a real victory uh, when your entire country is in flames. Yeah, I won. Uh, what did you win? Everybody's dead. So this is one of the serious problems that Taiwan has to face. And there isn't any perfect solution. And with some of the developments that are going on, well, it's scarier than ever. That's why we call the show Worrying About Taiwan. Because, boy, right now there's more worried than ever. Now, we talked about before about the catastrophe of Afghanistan, well, there's actually a connection. And the connection is simply this. And I think the world forgets this when they spend so much time criticizing the United States. And we're not saints, and we're not angels. Sometimes we deserve some criticism. I don't have a problem with that. I'm a big boy. I understand that. But you don't want to get too carried away on criticism because in the end, when things go bad, whether that's Iran or that's Russia or that's North Korea or that's China, you're not calling France. You're calling the United States. So you want to keep that in perspective. And unfortunately, when we make these horrible mistakes over there in Afghanistan, we look weak. And when we look weak, the enemies of not just the United States, but the enemies of liberty around the world, they're watching. They're laughing. And because of that, it can often cause them to get more antsy than they already are. And in fact, China already just in 48 hours, has made news reports saying, Taiwan, why have a war? Why don't you just give up and just meld with us to the, to the mainland and get this over with because America is never going to come to your defense and we're going to have to eventually wipe you out. This is what their news reports are saying. <laughs> because they've they become pretty much propaganda arms for the Communist Party. If they're saying this, this is what the Communist Party is thinking. This is what the president of China is already having to think about. 
minute the news is saying that, that's it. Because there's no freedom over there. You don't get to say whatever you want. They'll come into the studio and shoot you. So if the news is saying this, this is something that's already on their mind. Now, Taiwan has a lot of problems in order to military stop all of this. We're going to talk about that. Some of them are going to be pretty surprising to you. Others are going to be understandable. All right, so here we go. Now, there is and there has been a draft in Taiwan. It's just not going to be effective at all. It's, it's a very short period of time, less than a year. I mean, you should be having drafting people and training them for two-year cycles. Not, not less than a year. I mean, you, you have China on the border. So sometimes I, I have to wonder, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Taiwan, but I have to wonder, why would you want to do that? Especially since now, more than ever, I'm sorry to say China is right. We might not come to your aid. Not with this president. What are you going to do then? Who's coming to your aid? I, I, can, you, can you say who that might be? Because I, I would be interested to know. So not having the, uh, a national draft and not being even more prepared in this matter, well, it's, it's a very unwise go- idea. It really is. All right. They, are been, they have been Taiwan very, 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 uh, I feel, um, wise about their military purchases. They need serious missile defense because missiles are probably going to be the very first things that are even going to be launched. Even before Chinese jets, there'll be Chinese missiles heading towards the islands. No doubt about it. One of my concerns is, is that even though the Patriot missile batteries and they have and we actually helping to upgrade them as we speak, they might not be enough. And it might not be enough to even buy the ones from Israel. You know, the Iron Dome system, because one of the issues that now has to be faced by Taiwan is China is one of the few nations in the world that has hypersonic missiles. No one's really sure, because it's never been tested in real life before, if the Patriot or the Iron Dome or other other missile systems can actually stop a hypersonic missile. We don't really know. On paper... Well, I would be I would be very concerned. I would be very skeptical because and I'm not trying to make a joke here, but you know, if you look at it on purely scientific terms, you have to actually catch the missile to destroy it. So if the hypersonic missile is faster than the missiles you're shooting at it to knock it down, well that's a that's a real problem. <laughs> All they gotta do is send those over and your whole missile defense system is worthless. I mean, they don't have a, a huge arsenal yet, but China is building them. They have them. And I would be, I would be saying that they probably would want to use them, at least in the beginning rounds of anything. So that's a real concern there. They've definitely bought a lot of jets from us, and they continue to do so. The Chinese have excellent capabilities with their, with their air force. Uh, most have been trained by the United States, and they've been very good about being faithful about that. So we can't be any more excited about that because, as you can tell, uh, there's not going to be any Chinese troops on that island until first they can get the Navy across, which is extremely difficult to do. It's not like you can do it in secret. You can see them coming. You can sink them. Uh, same thing with, uh, with the Air Force. You, you, you can counter that. Uh, maybe you're going to get plenty of planes going through and dropping things on the island like bombs, sure. But again... Is not terribly effective, even with a hundred planes. 
to go that far with its missiles really that's going to do a lot of the damage and again the, the Taiwanese are not going to stand still they're going to be launching their own things up there so they've definitely helped counter some of that and that's really helpful one of my concerns have been with the with the Taiwan strategy is they don't really they don't really own anything serious like bombers and I wonder why they don't have that because I always felt that it can't just be a purely defensive strategy to, to be able to defend Taiwan. They need to be able to take the battle to them. And I really think China would actually stand up and notice if, if their mainland is starting to get bombed by the Taiwanese. While you're over there on our island, we're over there bombing you. They won't be too happy about that. I guarantee their people would be like, what happened? What's going on here? I'm not suggesting that you go all the way to the capital <laughs> to bomb them. But all you got to do is just, just bomb e enough inside the coastline over there and they'll understand what's going on. It's something that, that seriously needs to be considered. Because if you think about it, if America does actually honor our agreement and go there, and I'm sorry to say as an American, as a military man, I'm skeptical we're even going to do it. Not because that's not where the heart of America is, because we do want to see uh, Taiwan free. We want to see everybody free. Okay? But I don't think we have the administration that's, that cares about doing any of that at all. I think they're more worried about what China thinks than rather what China does. And that's a real problem for us. We don't have the Trump people anymore. Where at least uh, we can count on that. Maybe in the future, but right now we're not talking about the future. We're talking about now. Taiwan might, might, might be a slave state before this Biden administration is even done its first term. So that's definitely a, a real concern there. I still think that if we do anything, it's probably going to be a supporting role. It might be something navally wise, like in a blockade or maybe knocking some of the ships out. Possibly even helping with some of the Air Force uh, duties that will be necessary to scare away their jets or knock them out and, and, and keep them away. But I don't think you're going to see in the United States actually bomb the mainland of China. It's one thing to defend Taiwan from a Chinese invasion. It's another thing for a superpower to bomb pretty much another superpower. Uh, that's not going to happen. Only the Taiwanese, Taiwanese can do that. And hopefully they'll be willing to do that because unfortunately if you want your island secure, you're going to have to start realizing that some of the unthinkable is going to have to be part of your, pro part of your whole entire process of defense and offense as well. Now, I wrote an article a few months back and it has a provocative title, sure, but hey, it's the truth, okay? And it, it runs pretty much like this, all right? is uh, the fate of Taiwan will decide the future of the South China Sea. And that, that's the truth of it all. What happens with Taiwan opens up everything out there. If we're not defending them, they take that island over, everybody along that corridor is in deep trouble. Everybody. Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Japan, Australia, New Zealand... I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'll let you know. Australia's going to spend a half a billion dollars to upgrade all of its military facilities and all of its weapon systems. That's how nervous they are about how dangerous that China is becoming. Remember, without America backing you, you don't have a whole lot. You better be taking care of yourself. 
It's the message I even have for India, another another nation that has to be concerned. All of these nations are concerned right now. In fact, a, a number of them have actually formed together some defensive groups and are now talking more than they ever talked before. India with Japan and Australia and Malaysia. It's becoming more and more serious right now. And Taiwan is really the key to all of it. Now, and this is a very, very new announcement because when I was putting together the show, this hadn't even happened yet. Now it has. Uh, things that sometimes when these situations go about, they are things that you would never, ever could have guessed. But that's how bad things are becoming. Japan, for the first time, remember they used to have a constitution that said they couldn't even bring the military outside of the waters of Japan. That was one of the things we forced on them when we forced them to surrender in World War II. Japan is now going to de deploy missiles 300 kilometers off of Taiwan to deter China from any invasion. They'll be all installed by 2022, which isn't all that far away. Plus, they're going to have 500 troops on there to monitor the radar stations. Incredible. I mean, it's definitely a helpful boost for any kind of, China, for every kind of Chinese invasion. And it just shows you how much Japan is worried about their own situation. China, of course, is not happy about this, but there's nothing they can do about it. Japan is going to be doing this. Of course, I'm sad to say that, you know, Japan it might be more of a reliable ally to Taiwan than even the United States is. But that's, that's some of the things that we have to deal with. We really do. As we speak, right now the Chinese military are conducting live fire exercise right near Taiwan. Just to let them know, we're thinking about you. Love to come over there and take over. It's incredible. The provocations are uh, uh, just enormous. Just enormous. And what we're going to do about it here in the United States? Well, I couldn't tell you. Because we can't even figure out how to evacuate our own embassy purpose personnel and, and all the civilians we left over there. And so, I mean, we can't even figure that out. I don't know what we're supposed to do with the defending an island in a real war. Because I'm telling you right now, China is coming. And when they come, they're coming for real. They're not coming with an exercise. They're not coming with a couple of boats. They're not going to drop some fortune cookies and say, come on, we're really brothers and sisters. No, they're going to come to kill. Because that's the only way they're going to get that island. And they understand that. They're waiting for the opportunity. The opportunity when... It doesn't look like anybody's going to come for their aid. Thankfully, Japan has helped already change this equation. I guarantee you already the Chinese have to be thinking about, well, what the hell is this going to mean? Well, it's going to mean a lot because it means that whatever plan you had before, it's going to be harder to put into effect now. That's the truth. And, of course, it slows down anything. We got all these new weapons that are still coming over to Taiwan. They're still putting together their own their own plans. I understand they have a number of them. Obviously, I'm still concerned about everything that's going on over there, mainly because the Taiwanese have an unusual way of going about this. They don't seem, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but they don't seem to have that sense of urgency you think an island that could possibly be wiped out would be, you know? It's very casual over there. They speak like 
everything's going to be fine. And I don't know if they're going to speak differently if they realize that we might not be coming to their aid. Or if they're going to be speaking differently because Japan's already starting to come to their aid. Hard to know. But I can tell you one thing. This is about as real as it gets. Okay? You can't get no more real than this. If it happens, it's it's war. And it's going to have ramifications for decades to come. It's going to have shockwaves through the entire world. Financial markets onward. Okay? Nothing will stop this other than brute force against these people in order to be able to do this. United Nations won't, won't even be worth the, the charter that it has. They'll have a meeting. Oh, China's being bad. Yeah, that's going to really stop them. They, they don't care. They're a major partner in the United Nations. They don't care. So nothing's going to happen there. And I don't know what we're going to do. And if we do anything at all, I, I mean, just to give us a little bit of credit, maybe it's going to be some bare minimal. It's not going to be enough. And like we talked about before, yes, the Taiwanese are right that it's harder to take an island than it is to defend it. But if your missile batteries can only do so much, and let, let's say they can knock all the hypersonic missiles out and they can knock a bunch of missiles out. We know already from actual numbers from war already that Israeli's Iron Dome does maybe at its best 90%. Okay? They got thousands of missiles in China. It's not that far away, Taiwan. Okay? So you launch a thousand missiles, and let's say the Iron Dome knocks up 90% of them. That's still a hundred missiles hitting that island all over the place. Remember, it's a dense population. Thousands will probably die just from the first round of missiles hitting. Thousands. Just do this a few more times, thousands become millions real quick. What does that do to your national will? What does that do to morale? Does that stir up the Taiwanese even more to, to call for help or, or, or to do whatever they can to defend their nation? What does that do to their economy? What does that do to everything that's going on over there? Their losses and the damage is going to be catastrophic. Hurricanes won't be able to kind of do the damage that just a couple of days of attacks will, will do. It's going to be that serious. This is what missiles do. And now with drones going into effect, more and more now, people don't even need missiles anymore. They could just simply pirate a drone full of explosives and you can hit a ship. I don't know if you folks realize this or not, but even if you got an aircraft carrier out there, if you hit it with a couple of the flight line, if you hit it with a couple of these drones that explode and start fires... You can easily damage the flight line for uh, quite some times for things can't even get launched. Is that serious? Do we have effective means to knock out all the drones? We'll see. We're supposed to have Gatling guns on these ships. We're supposed to have laser beams. Blah, blah, blah. Are they going to work in these real scenarios? I don't know. But Iran's already testing this and it's already been effective. Which means other nations, the ones that are up to oh no good, they're going to be looking into the same thing. And they're going to say to themselves, like I'm saying right now, well, why the hell do I need to spend millions of dollars on a new missile to hit this and hit that? Well, I'm going to need a couple bucks, a stupid drone, a remote control device, and some explosives, and I could just do a gazillion dollars in damage. Because that's all it does. That's, it's not that expensive to, to operate these things. They already exist out there. 
All you have to do is modify them and be willing to do this. So if you don't think the Chinese, who already talk with Iran on a regular basis, are not figuring this thing out, yeah, so those are also going to be another factor into this. You can definitely believe that. Not to mention, of course, what they're going to be using as surveillance as well. So this is going to be a real factor. This kind of a war right here is going to bring out everything. I'm telling you, everything. You're going to see the best jets out there. You're going to see the best drones out there. You're going to see hypersonic missiles. You're going to see laser beams. You're going to see all kinds of crafts trying to launch uh, people onto the island to, to cause the destruction. All they got to do is land a couple of boats over there and a couple of uh, a dozen uh, 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 Chinese Marines and all the damage they could possibly do. Blowing up stuff, taking this, doing that. It's going to be, it's going to be serious and it's going to be bloody. But Taiwan, and I just cannot believe how important it is to the entire world and how so many of us in the international community just don't even bat an eye. You think anyone's coming to their aid? Yeah, maybe later on when the island's in smoke. But I don't think when it's happening, they're going to be doing too much of anything. So I tell you, I'm going to be doing a show on India later in the month. And I'll tell you the same way I'm going to be telling India. So you get a heads up here, okay? Um, you, you better put together whatever plan you have thinking that you're pretty much going to be on your own. I mean, I realize you got some China, Japan over there helping. God bless them. But that's pretty much how you need to be looking at this. Because if you don't, and you're relying on things that don't come, well, you're going to be even in deeper trouble than you are. And I don't know if folks realize this or not, but China is becoming a, an evil global force. They, they want to do whatever they can to do whatever they can to have a big say in this world. And that means take over this or enslave that person or debt that person. They don't care. They don't care. They got three million Uggers in, in their concentration camps, ripping out organs out for them and selling them onto the black market, experimenting people, murdering them, raping them. Doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them at all. And where supposedly in the 90s we used to count on well, you know, because I, I, people used to tell me this all the time. Well, Mark, um, as long as we continue to trade with China and, and we continue to go back and forth with that economic activity, that's going to, like, stop them from doing a lot of dumb things because, you know, they need that money to expand in their economy and to feed their people and modernize a gigantic population, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're really doing all that and more and still building their military and still doing unbelievable things. Hong Kong, South China Sea, stealing fish off of of the the islands of Philippines. The Philippines only have the strength to chase away fishing boats. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine being a country that you're too afraid to even scare away fishing boats because you don't want China coming down there and, and doing something to you. Meanwhile, they're stealing all the things that you need. Love the Philippines, okay? Been there twice. But guess what, folks? Uh, if you noticed on any kind of a map or if you notice on any kind of like atlas of a countries, uh, Philippines don't even have a quarter of the kind of financial or military that China does. So they can't afford to lose things like this, but they, they haven't stolen from them. Same thing with Vietnam. Vietnam's like waving over. Hey, you know, we're communists too, you know. How can you do this to us? And China's like, you're not Chinese communists. You're just Vietnamese communists. We could care less. Thank you, uh, Mr. China. 
Yeah, you thought that communism was going to be some universal things, huh, Vietnam? Wrong. Even they're, con- even they're nervous and they're concerned. Getting robbed as well. Again, it's happening to Malaysia, which is actually improving their air force because they're getting concerned. It's getting concerning uh, to Indonesia because China claims the entire South China Sea. They, they claim all of it and even any islands that are on there because they want the mineral rights, anything they find in the ocean, they want to be able to steal the fish, the oil, whatever they could find. They believe it's theirs. And guess what? Since they are the big boys on the block, they're going to be bullies about it. We've done what we could so far, you know, to put ships through that area, to let them know that this stuff isn't acceptable. We've gotten really close to them. We've overflew a lot of these areas to let them know. They got really mad. So we know exactly what they're doing on these islands. But guess what? When you got flight lines and you got missiles on these islands, it's easy for them to, do, to, to attack and to do things if they want to. You don't have to wait six hours for them to fly in from mainland China. They're right there. That's the whole purpose of that. The whole purpose of that is just to not to park some jets because they're running out of room in China. Okay? They're there for a purpose. They're there to harm. They're there to restrict. They're there in many ways to be a military blackmail device. They're there to be intimidation things for those other countries. Thinking that America is just going to stand down. Well... A couple of years ago, I would say, that thinking is wrong, buddy. But now, I don't know. They could be right. We need America more than ever in these areas. We, we know this already from what's going on. That's one of the things I'm going to be talking about India about. They're becoming a superpower, and now they have to take things seriously. Now they actually have to have relations with other countries and talk about things. Now they have to be worried about China. They only have a small border war with them a couple of years ago, which they won. But this shows you how serious the Chinese are, that they actually try to start a war on the Himalayan border of India. India literally kicked out all their electronics, and they're going back and forth over there. It's incredible that China is becoming dangerous. So dangerous that if we don't take them seriously soon, they're going to be very, very difficult to stop. But I just don't think that we are taking them seriously. And then I don't know what it's going to take. I hope it doesn't have to sacrifice Taiwan and all that that can, that can actually mean in order for the whole world to take it seriously. But it seems like that's the history of, uh, of, of mankind. Is that we have to wait for the worst things to happen before we actually take notice. So many things, folks, could have been prevented if we just opened our eyes long enough and stopped believing fantasies. Neville Chamberlain, perfect example. Yeah, this guy's cool. I just signed a piss agreement with him. Go back to, to London and, and Hitler's already in Czechoslovakia. That's great. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about, though, folks. Having your eyes open. And not believing your own stupid propaganda about, uh, I really want global peace. Really? If you want global peace... You need to have some global missiles because you can't have peace without being willing to defend it and even die for it. You can't have it. It's not going to just be given to you. You think you just? You think the Chinese are just going to say, "Oh, you want peace? Okay, we're going to go home now. You take care. Thank you for trading with us." Uh, no. China has become one of the world's worst players in this situation and in history. Probably the one of the, one of the most dangerous because in if you look at China really carefully, 
Uh, they become nationalists through communism. In many ways, they become racist by trying to murder all these Muslims and not care about people who don't look like them. What they've done to Tibet, destroying the temples and, and, and murdering monks. Really? A monk is going to be dangerous to your entire philosophy? This is where you know you have a problem, folks. When someone's willing to kill a bishop or a priest or a monk or a nun, then you know that those are not, not only you cannot trust these people, it just shows you that the system they have is never going to work because the moment freedom gets there, it's all gone. That's why they kill these things because they know the minute they open their mouth, that's the end of their ideas. That's why they murder. So they're, they've become nationalists and they've become racist. In many ways, they're capitalists, incredibly enough, using the money from the proceeds of everybody who's spending stuff on them. And then they're communists, wanting to do expansionism, angry at the colonization of the past, all the things they use. They're one hell big ball of a mess, modernizing their military to where it becomes dangerous. Folks, as we speak right now, they, they have things that landed on the Mars and on the moon. You cannot just say any longer now. Oh, yeah, they're just a little angry, but we'll be okay. Really? Their military is almost as big as ours. And even though they don't have enough nuclear weapons as compared to our stockpile, they sure have enough to destroy us in, in Russia if they wanted to. It's all you need. They're on the moon. They're on Mars. I'm waiting for them to claim that the moon is communist and it belongs to them. Because uh, yeah, if we're not going to do much in Afghanistan and we're not going to do much in Taiwan, I don't, I, what the hell are we going to do about the moon? Oh yeah, you can have it. Don't worry about it. It's time. If it wasn't before, it's time now that we're taking these people seriously. Our freedom and international rule of law is completely in jeopardy. They take Taiwan and they just take a lot of the world with them. Because they'll be able to block all kinds of things. You're going to have gas prices going through the roof. It's going to damage economies. You're going to have nations they got to figure out if they're going to be willing to stand up to them. Remember, if they take Taiwan, it's going to be hard to take Taiwan from them. Because they'll be there, ready to go. So we really need to consider these things extremely carefully as we go forward. I know a lot of my friends, especially some of my political friends, they, you know, they love to, to, to lament about, oh, why can't we just have peace? Wouldn't it be so much practical if we just all traded with each other and, you know, took care of the environment and, you know, kissed the koala bears and, you know, played the hockey with the, with the kangaroos? Yeah, that would be all great. I'd love to be able to sit down with the Chinese, have a couple of hamburgers, you know, a couple of drinks, and it, the culture there is beautiful. The Chinese are wonderful people. It's the government that's evil. And it's not going to get stopped with wishful thinking, folks. It's not going to get stopped by, I'm going to send a diplomat over and he's just going to convince them. <sighs> you kidding me? The only time they were ever convinced is when Trump was in office. And the only reason why is because they were scared to death of him. They didn't know what the hell he was going to do economically. And he told them the truth. And it's a truth that we need to continue to embrace. This crap that we used to believe that... They can't be defeated. They can't be challenged because they own so much of our debt. Well, guess what, folks? Just as much as they own so much of our debt, in many ways, we own them too. They can't afford us to fail because they've failed too. So financially, it's break even on that, folks. There's nothing to be worried about that anymore. That was the silly propaganda of the 90s. We'll make them into peaceful people through trade. 
then next uh we'll we'll um we can't mess with them too much because it'll mess our economy up they own a lot of debt you know they could just do this and they could do do that they're not gonna do crap the more they become capitalists and rely on that the more in many ways it weakens them in some instances it puts them on the same field with us they're not really trying to even compete with us in that fashion they understand that all it's about is the military and the things they can continue to get away with that's really what they're concerned about. And that's what they've been doing. What are we going to do about it? Maybe even more importantly, what is Taiwan going to do about it? I'm hoping they're willing to become more urgent. I'm hoping they're willing to expand their draft. I'm hoping they're willing to bring more missile batteries and more missile defensive batteries in there. I'm hoping they continue to increase their air force. I'm hoping they're willing to consider what they're going to do offensively against China. I'm hoping that they continue to make relations, even if it's privately, with other nations, seeing whatever they can possibly do to be of help in this situation. Because I don't care right now if it's only China and Japan and us that could possibly be in the conflict. All those that think you're staying out of this, you're going to be involved in this. Everybody all the way down to Australia. So I hope you folks actually realize that. They take Taiwan... They're coming all the way down the line until kangaroo land. That's not, that's not a joke. That's what's going to happen. Because there'll be nothing to stop them. It'll be so difficult. And in the end, people will give up. They'll give up because uh, the diplomatic principle above, well, you know, it keeps from a wider war from spreading. Blah, blah, blah. It's the, it's the same crappy thinking we used to have in Europe during World War II. It's why Hitler was able to do so much. If you ever looked at his strategy and you ever looked at what he actually did, you'll realize one thing. He was a dumbass. He wasn't intelligent. He wasn't a military genius. He was a dumbass. But he gambled that nobody else be willing to do anything. And his gamble paid off for him because nobody was willing to do anything. And guess what? By the time anybody was able to do anything or willing to do everything, it was way too late. He already had like half of Europe. I think we'll fight him now. This is unacceptable. Yeah, thanks. And now he owns half the friggin' planet. Yeah, that's a good idea now. now. Now we can wake up. We need to wake up now before China owns everything. Okay? I don't know about you, but I love the Chinese people and I love Chinese food. But I'm really not interested in speaking Chinese, okay? Not at all. Too difficult of a language. Not interested in their ideas. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be American. Happy to be free. And in the best tradition of my country, uh, I'm willing to, to die and to kill for it too. This is the message I like to leave Taiwan as well. If you want your freedom, you need to start waking up. All right, folks, I want to say God bless to all you. Thank you so much for all the great email on Afghanistan. And then the next show we did, which was Dune, about the whole Dune universe. That was great. You got a lot of wonderful comments, especially on Facebook. I really do appreciate that. Incredibly enough, the Afghanistan show really took off when all these horrible things happened, where there was more people listening to it now. You'll probably hear some of my funny predictions because I actually gave everybody a lot more time on this than when it actually happened. But I did always end the show with the fact that this was going to happen. There's no doubt about that. They were going to take over and... you know, All kinds of horrible things were happening. You know, they're already doing everything, before I said on the show. Raping women, 
cutting people's heads off, shooting people for no good reason, saying death to America, death to everybody, blah, blah, blah. The, the same stuff we all expected. You know, they're, they're a one-note band over there, the, the Taliban. But thankfully, we don't have to live there, and hopefully we can get everybody out there eventually with maybe some other nations' help, the way this is going. But until next time, folks, we got that um, interview uh, with Nicole Bird coming up here in a couple of days. It was a wonderful interview. I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. Uh, what an incredible writer and a thinker and in many ways a philosopher, somebody that just knows writing through and through. I was excited to have her on the show, and I'm just so happy to add that to the mix of everything we're doing with, with MindSpeak. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. This is Mark Anthony Rossi and MindSpeak, uh, Strength of Human Production. Take care, and bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.